the best, 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 best. best. of Creston in the Afternoon Countdown. Number 25. Afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, and it was 60 years ago yesterday that Pope John the 23rd promulgated uh, what would be his final encyclical, Pacem in Terris, or Peace on Earth, the first three words of the encyclical. Um, it appeared at one of the most dangerous points in the Cold War, just months after the Cuban Missile Crisis, and that kind of confers upon it a certain gravity. It was also signed on Holy Thursday, um, and I think that links the call for peace uh, in the document to the, of course, the great Paschal mystery, which is played out uh, during the Triduum. With me right now to talk about uh, Pachman Terrace is Dr. Daniel Philpop. He's professor of political science at the University of Notre Dame. He's the author of Religious Freedom in Islam, The Fate of a Universal Human Right in the Muslim World Today. He's uh, written other books as well, uh, focusing on reconciliation, religious freedom, the role of religion in public life. And uh, you can visit him at his work, arcoftheuniverse.info, and we'll have all that information available for you in the guest archives. Dan, good to have you back here. Thanks. Thank you, Al. Great to be with you as always. Happy Easter. And to you. Let's... When I've heard Pachamanteris referred to, it's often presented as though it represents an awakening of the Church to its mission to be a peacemaker, and that uh, people have, uh, you know, the, the, the hierarchy has finally been shaken up, and uh, they've realized their uh, the, the moral authority they had to, you know, uh, enjoin peace upon the human race. Uh, how was this document received 60 years ago? Was it a huge departure from Catholic social teaching? Well, it's a very good question, Al. I think, it, in, in fact, it was not. Um, almost all of the themes of this um, wonderful, uh, remarkable encyclical, as I just reviewed it earlier today um, before talking, all, almost all of the themes were are continuous with earlier Catholic teachings, some, some of them going way back for, for centuries. Um, and in fact, the, one, one could even say that the peace witness of popes, really, of modern popes, really dates back to, um, I would say, Benedict the Fifteenth yeah. in World War One. Yeah. And remarkably, during World War One, he put out principles for a peace that were strikingly similar to those that Woodrow Wilson, uh, President of the United States, became very famous for <laughs> his fourteen points. Yes. Well, Benedict the Fifteenth had put them out before that. But all, all along, there's a continuity of um, calling for um, disarmament, calling for um, peace between between the powers, um, backing off from the kind of uh, dangerous weapons. Um, and there are other themes in the encyclical as well that um, are longstanding ones. One of the most remarkable themes, I think, is its um, strong statement of human rights and this is something that um, 
uh, I think is remarkable. It's one of the strongest statements of human rights anywhere in Catholic teaching is in those first paragraphs of uh, Pachamenteris. And strong statements of human strongest statements of human rights anywhere i would argue yeah but this um but it wasn't you know, novel there, it, it wasn't entirely novel Rerum Novarum. that's right that's right yeah now there are some things about the encyclical that do um you know fit with the times and there were some reasons i think why john the 23rd wanted to devote an entire encyclical to peace yeah and one of those is the one that you mentioned in your uh, introduction when you were talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Cuban Missile Crisis was uh, coterminous with the beginning of the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. And this is just the previous um, October, this nuclear standoff between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And the nuclear arms race had gotten to the point where um, you know, John the Twenty Third felt very compelled to call for peace. But I would also talk about the memory of World War II, which is only, you know, less than 20 years earlier, right. as well as the um, manifestation of the human rights movement. I think in the eyes of the Church of the Human Rights, Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948 is something very important. Pope John Paul II called it an awakening of the conscience of mankind and saluted it as such. Well, I think John Twenty-Third's very strong statements of human rights comports with that um, mm-hmm. you know, outbreak and awakening as well. Yeah, this is, this is something that I think we take for granted uh, these days. But the United Nations Universal Declaration on Human Rights, I mean, th- that was a—that uh, certainly was—was was that actually the very first international uh, agreement uh, on human rights— Yes, it was the first major one, yeah. absolutely. But I think for the Catholic Church, this is very important because, you know, there are some Catholics today who say that, um, you know, rights are sort of a modern invention, they're foreign to the tradition. Right, but right. that that just isn't true. I mean, rights go way back um, through the uh, Spanish scholastics of the 16th century. I would actually argue that they're there in Thomas Aquinas, and it's kind of a disputed issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty clear that they're there in medieval canon law. I would even place them back to the early centuries of Christianity and thinkers such as Tertullian and Lactantius. Lactantius, but, yes. You know, the idea there are natural rights that comport with the human dignity of every every person um, is uh, goes way back in the tradition. And I would even say that the Church is responsible for bringing those ideas into Western civilization. Mm-hmm. So it's only natural that it would uh, welcome the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We, it's we often hear that, um, especially after the collapse of Soviet-style communism, uh, we it looked as though do- democracy was breaking out all over the place. Uh, that momentum may have uh, slowed down a bit, but um, we is this outbirth, outgrowth of democratic regimes or nations wanting to? embody the consent of the governed and rule of law. Is that movement new in human history? Well, um, again, the, the notion of, of human rights and natural rights um, goes deep in um, Catholic thought. <clears throat> um, and the, the notion of democracy, of uh, you know, government by the consent of the governed, is mm-hmm. 
you know, is more modern. But even that has some traces in Catholic thought. You know, the thought of Robert Bellarmine of the 16th and 17th centuries, he thought that consent was very important. Mm-hmm. Now, he would be a little bit different from some modern democratic theorists in that he didn't think that political authority was established by consent. Mm-hmm. And I okay. think the Church is right to condemn that idea that, you know, people just sort of establish authority out of the state of nature. Mm-hmm. The Church has always said that political authority is natural, um, and that it, it, it exists, you know, the, the warrant for it is prior to human decision. Mm-hmm. But within that, once we have political authority, um, there is a lot to be said for having democratic mechanisms and democratic participation and um, mechanisms that foster the people taking ownership for uh, that that authority. And um, that, I think, the Church has uh, very much endorsed. Mm-hmm. In 1944, uh, Pope Pius XII, in his Christmas address, speaks uh, warmly of democracy. And um, if it's placed in the context of the rule of law, human rights, and some, some basic fixed uh, polls there, then I think democracy uh, is something that the Church welcomes. Uh, we just saw the passing of Benjamin Friends, the last uh, surviving uh, prosecutor from the Nuremberg uh, trials. Yes. And yes. Um, does does Pachamanteris speak directly about uh, the Holocaust or the Nuremberg trials or the importance, do they suggest the importance of natural law to hold him, people accountable? Hmm. Well, I would say the latter. I, I don't see much in the encyclical about, um, although maybe I need to go back and re- review it more carefully, I don't see much about um, war crime, crimes trials. Okay. Um, Nuremberg, I think, was an important event, an important advance for the international community. But the idea of putting um, individuals on trial then went into deep freeze with the Cold War, because you yeah. didn't have any cooperation between the U.S. and the Soviets. Right. Interestingly, that has now reemerged with the International Criminal Court, yeah. the Nuremberg idea that you could place individual war criminals on trial. My sense is um, that uh, John Twenty-Third would be favorable to that. Mm-hmm. But the idea of the natural order and rooting human rights in the natural order, that there's a moral order established by God, known through natural law, and that human rights are um, embedded in that, is something that John Twenty-Third states you know, very strongly in those opening paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Does he deal with the uh, issue of reconciliation as a necessary principle for politics? Um, no, not not very much. Um, most of the um, uh, encyclical is stated towards natural law principles. Okay. He does certainly talk about um, disarmament and stepping back from the Cold War, and I think he thinks that this enmity between uh, the superpowers that it developed is there's kind of an element of sinfulness or an element that this is not the way humans are called to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he, he certainly um, won in reconciliation in the sense of wanting, you know, uh, peace between the superpowers. Mm-hmm. Do we know that uh, this encyclical has any direct influence on Catholic uh, uh, the Catholic communities in any of these emerging democracies. Yeah, well, one of the fascinating things that um, I've explored some in my own writings is what is called the the Catholic wave. So, 
Um, scholars have talked about the wave of democratization that began between 1974 and continues on through 2014, the Ukrainian uh, revolution of dignity and so forth, where you have these kinds of movements for democracy. Some 90 countries, almost half the world's countries, made a serious stride towards democracy, overthrowing dictatorships and the like. Um, well, one of the interesting things is that the Catholic Church played a major role. In 78 cases that we looked at, the Catholic Church was a leading proponent of democracy and overthrowing the dictator in 36 mm-hmm. out of those 78. Just think John Paul II in Poland, yeah. going on those pilgrimages, challenging the regime, leading to the regime's overthrow in 1989. And yes, I do think that Pachamenteris, along with the other council documents, Gaudium et Spes and Dignitatis mm-hmm. Humanae, did give a kind of warrant for the Catholic Church to, yeah. you know, take on dictatorships in these Very countries. Good. Dan, thanks so much. Great talking with you.